NASA put the first woman in space. Did you guys hear about this? She reported and she said, Houston, we have a problem. And they replied back, okay, what is it? She said, no, nope, never mind. And they said, well, we have to, you're in space, we have to kind of, nope, it's okay, I got it. And she kept going on, nope, nope, it's okay, it's okay. So apparently they're done putting women in space. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? One more. When you're dead, the pain is felt. <laughs> when you're dead, the pain is felt by no one else other than those who are around the deceased. Right? The person who's dead in the casket, they don't know whether you are there or you're not there, or whether you put flowers at their grave or anything like that. That's more for us. That helps us. So they don't feel any pain at all. It's just those who are around them, which is equivalent to being stupid. Praise God. Aren't you glad you came to church? You'll get that on the ride home when your wife says, how did you not understand that? All right, I'll quit. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 2, Genesis 1. The single most powerful being on the face of the earth by all accounts is the human being. Correct? They teach you in school that you are the top of the food chain. They teach you that you are the most intelligent being. Very good. I'm not a fourth grade science teacher, but uh, I at least slept through three of those classes. So. so if we're the most powerful being on the face of the earth, does that mean that we're the strongest being on the face of the earth? Can anybody tell me what the strongest being on the face of the earth is? Bear? No? Well, by body mass and size, it's actually the dung beetle. As it can carry 1,141 times its body weight in mass. That would be equivalent to an average person pulling six double-decker buses full of people. Pretty powerful. By carrying weight, the elephant is the strongest being mammal on the face of the earth, as it can carry 20,000 pounds on its back. Pretty powerful, right? So we're not the strongest beings on the face of the earth, because by brute strength, the strongest mammal would be the elephant. Are human beings the fastest beings on the face of the earth? No, that's owned to the cheetah as they are the fastest with speeds. Some argue between 68 to 75 miles per hour. It's pretty fast. If a human being touches 20 miles an hour, they're a very fast individual. Times that by three, and they couldn't keep up with the slowest cheetah on God's green earth. So we're not the strongest. We're not the fastest. Do we have the greatest ability naturally, innate? of ourselves to attack? Are we the, the greatest attack beings on the face of the earth? Now, when I lived in Alaska, you actually had to keep a distance between you and a grizzly bear because grizzly bears can, can cover 75 yards in three seconds flat and hit their target like that, which would make anybody in the NFL look like 
a toddler in comparison to Usain Bolt. Why am I sharing this with you? Because we're told that we're the most powerful beings on the face of the earth, and we are, and I'll get there in a second. We're the top of the food chain. We are the best of the best. Just scientifically speaking here, I'm going to get into the word in just a second, and this will all make sense. See, we're not the strongest, but we've built a machine called the crane, which a single crane can lift 40,000 pounds, twice the lifting power of an elephant. We aren't the fastest, but we've built military aircraft that can break the sound barrier over 600 miles an hour, a little bit faster than the cheetah. We aren't we don't have the best natural ability to fly across the tundra and to attack our target like a grizzly bear or perhaps a polar bear, but I personally have a deer rifle that can shoot 3,300 feet per second, a little bit faster than the grizzly bear. See, the way God created us, when we look across the earth, naturally speaking, there's no reason other than this one reason why we're the top of the top, the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the apple of his eye. What separates you from every other being on the face of God's green earth? What, what, what other than your fourth grade science teacher that told you, what actually makes sense that we are the top of the food chain? We're not the strongest. We're not the fastest. We, we, we don't have the most attacking power or anything. We, I can't swim like a dolphin. I can't fly like an eagle. Your mind, everybody say our mind, gives us the ability to be the top. Look at your neighbor and say, your mind. Now, you might have to speak this in faith. See, the ability to think, to dream, to imagine, we think that's just for children, but it's actually one of God's gifts to us. The force of our minds is so powerful that if you were to take the most powerful computer on the face of the earth, the, the best of the best, billion-dollar project computer, it would, it, would, it would not even cover this much of the roomful that your mind can actually absorb. Did you know that your mind literally has a memory of every single thing that you've ever experienced in your life? Everything. There's not a single experience that you've been through that's blotted out of your mind. That's why our government spent so much time, uh, mainly in the 60s through the 80s, trying to, trying to dissect the mind to see if they can, like when they would interrogate a terrorist, they would put, after they would take them out, they would take their brain and they would try to go through it and compute it into code and translate the code where we can read it and say, okay, so they have a, a terrorist cell here and they have this plan for here because the mind is the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. Everybody say the mind. We're going to get biblical in just a second. See, you can't fly like an eagle, but we've created a way to fly over 100 years ago. If I put you especially some of you, somewhere in the desert, somewhere in the Arctic, somewhere in the jungle, in your natural state, you probably wouldn't survive more than three days. Yet there are animals that survive 
and thrive for decades of their life in those same harsh environments. But if I was also to take you down to the harshest environment, bar none, on the face of the planet, which would be Antarctica, we've actually found a way to put scientists there for years because our minds have created a way for that to happen. Everybody say, our minds. Now, in the feebleness of the human mind, I want you to understand something else just to preface this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, part B of that verse says this, but we have the mind of Christ. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe this will help us today. Understand, and if you need a title, we're speaking to the void. We're using what God gave us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, says this, But these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches, that, now that's speaking of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's a capital S if you have a good Bible, not one on discount. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the lowercase s, spirit of that person, which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God, wait for it, except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. You see, we actually have a whole bunch of gifts. I love that there's a part of the New Testament that says this, you don't need anything else. You are, and I'm paraphrasing, you already have everything you need. It's on the inside of you. I have, a, I have an iPad up here. And I do have a, a physical paper Bible. Somebody told me I need to bring a physical paper Bible as well. But I, I have an iPad up here. It has 43 tra translations of the Bible, multiple different languages. But did you know that the power to create this was actually from the beginning of the earth? The phone that you hold in your hand, the car that you drove here today, maybe the motorcycle you drove here today, the aircraft my wife and I will board on Wednesday, all of that was actually instilled since the beginning of time. It just took somebody to put the pieces together. And if, if so many of those feeble, pathetic people with their simplistic minds were able to create such wonderful things, how much more should we be leading the charge with the mind of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit, serving Jesus? Amen? That we might understand these things freely given us by God, continuing on. And we impart this in the words, not taught by human wisdom, but, by, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. That's why the church doesn't need to try to dumb down the gospel. It's why the church doesn't have to try to hide the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's why, you know, maybe, maybe you've been to a seeker-sensitive church and it's like they, they let the Holy Spirit out at youth camp once a year. The Bible already said that it's going to be foolishness to those who don't have the mind of Christ. 
So that doesn't mean you have to be saved for two years before you ever hear about the Holy Spirit. My grandfather was, was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost in the same night. Why? Because God has a way of doing things, and in case you haven't figured this out, God is actually smarter than us. Wow, that's, that's worth the price of admission. Let's just go home, right? I'll keep going. It's folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things. People say, well, you can't judge me. Well, the spiritual person judges all things. That's what the word says. So you can discern and you can judge what to allow in your life and what not to allow. When Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, what he was speaking about is in the same measure that you judge others, that's the measure that he'll use to judge you. So when he said, now, now over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when Paul's writing this to the church of Corinth, just a little backdrop here, what he is saying is, is that a spiritual person actually weighs or judges all things or discerns all things. By the way, you think God just judges free, you know, willy-nilly, just freely? No, he weighs things by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's why, you know, people, you know, they get tattooed on them. Only God can judge me. That should frighten you. That should frighten you, that you haven't submitted yourself to anybody who can judge you and discern your spirit. That should actually frighten you. You'll stand before God one day like a wild stallion, and you've never submitted yourself to any process ever. Well, I'm just going to do my own thing. Ha, I don't need a church. I'm just going to have Bible study in my home. Stupid. See, because you never submitted yourself underneath spiritual leadership and authority. You can't have authority until you're under authority. A spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. Part B, but we have the mind of Christ. Now turn over to uh, Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one. Then I wanna give you four keys to reaching your God-given dreams. Genesis chapter one. I feel like I could spend the rest of my life in Genesis 1 and 2 and not even scratch the surface of the beauty of God. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me ask you this. Where is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Is it in Acts? Is it in the New Testament? Is it in the Old Testament when they said the Spirit of God would come upon someone, strengthen them? It would always, by the way, every time the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon someone, it was always to perform a mighty exploit. It wasn't so they could sit up straighter in their pew and sing louder. and Because the Spirit of God always comes on purpose. Power is never truly power unless power comes with presence and purpose. Amen. It's actually the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is Genesis 1-2. And here's what it says. The earth was without form and void. That doesn't mean that there was nothing here. 
right? It just means, and, and actually the Hebrew here would imply it was chaotic. Kind of like your life before Christ. Because it says the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, there's the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, was hovering over the face of the waters. Now catch this, verse 3. And God said, notice it's the spoken word of God. God didn't take a hammer and build the world. The, the word has enough power to create physical matter and bring order out of chaos. Just as much as when you speak the word over your life, where it is formless and void and chaotic, one word from God can bring light to a very dark situation. Let there be light, and there was light. Here's how you reach your God-given dreams. Number one, I hope you take notes. I stayed up ungodly late last night writing this. Praise God. Number one, get the mind of Christ on a situation. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Bible says he's our guide. One of the words is he's our paraclete. That's not pair of cleats, that's paraclete. The Holy Spirit, to me, is something that's maybe less talked about than what it should be. The Holy Spirit is our great searcher. Everybody say, our great searcher. See, the first place that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible is that creation. When you read the book of Proverbs, and it says, and wisdom, I wisdom was with God at the beginning, right? It says, and by wisdom, I'm, I'm paraphrasing some verses in Proverbs, and by wisdom, God crafted the earth. He created by wisdom. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was searching and hovering over the face of the deep. Just waiting for the word to be spoken. The earth was formless and void. It was dark, chaotic. Some historians believe, I'm, I'm not saying that this is gospel, but some historians believe that there could have been creation before creation. In other words, that there was a created world to serve a purpose, that it was then destroyed. It was formless and void. It was, you know, the earth, when people say it's young earth or it's old earth, that's not our job to discern. The earth that we live in now, you and me, you could say, okay, well, historically, between six to 10,000 years. But the earth itself could be a whole lot older than that. So it's not young earth and old earth, it's both and. Anyways, not my text today. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. He was hovering over chaos. Now, the Holy Spirit has creative properties. He has the ability to breathe life. Uh, some of the same verbiage is actually used with Mary. 
in the conception of Jesus Christ. It says the Holy Spirit, it actually speaks how the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary. So the same creative power that birthed out Jesus Christ, God in human form, was the same idea that we have here in Genesis 1 when the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. Why? Because what he's hovering over, he's seeing purpose and he's seeing destiny and he's seeing the thoughts of God for a world. Think of this, the Holy Spirit, all those years ago when he was hovering over the face, maybe he was hovering there for 70 billion years. We don't know. The Bible does not say that it is, that, 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 oh, it's this or it's that. The Bible simply says this, that he was hovering over the face of the deep. So if he was hovering over the face of the deep, that means this, that he was spending time. And when he was spending time, he wasn't, see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just do anything just to waste time either. You think that when you pray in your prayer closet that you're wasting time, but actually what you're doing is, is you're getting the mind of God, you're getting the vision of God on a particular topic. And the Holy Spirit, I imagine that, that big old formless blob called earth is spinning. By the way, did you know that the Bible said that the earth was round before anybody believed it was actually round? Approximately 3,000 years before they ever came to that conclusion. The Bible says over in Isaiah that the earth is a sphere. It says it's round. The Bible is not a flat earth book. The Bible talks about the earth being round. And if you're part of the flat earth society, I hear they have members all around the globe. I guess they've never flown in an airplane before. Praise God. Getting the mind of Christ on a situation is what the Holy Spirit does. See, this is what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, and these things, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The King James Version says this way, yea, the deep things of God. So there's actually a depth that the Holy Spirit will search out for us. Why? Because in that searching, as he's hovering over the face of the deep, he's seeing this service that we're having right now. He's seeing those who are receiving this word and those who have checked out. And he's already taken into account. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that those whom God foreknew, he did predestine. Now, as Pentecostals, we take offense to that. We run away with our tail between our legs and say, ah, that's a Baptist doctrine. No, actually, it's pretty simple. That which God knew, he created to be. Doesn't the Bible say, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 2, the works which God has prepared for us in advance. In other words, God has a mind on things. He has thoughts on things. Did you know that God actually knows how to save your prodigals? Did you know that God actually knows how to heal your body? 
Did you know that God actually knows how to purge you of sin? Did you know that God actually knows how to get you a promotion at work? Why? Because the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. He, it wasn't just about creation. It was about everything. See, where there was void, God, God saw this, what we're doing today. Where things were formless and void. You know what blows my mind? That God actually knew that Adam and Eve would fall before they fell. And, 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 and how about this one? When God created Adam, it says, and God breathed on him, or this, that God put his breath, his spirit on the inside of him. The same man who would then betray him by not watching over his household. See, the spirit of God knows everything. That's, it's also why you think of this, you, if you're not quick to repent of sin, if you're not quick to, to get into the throne room of God, it's like, do you really think you can hide that from God? Think how foolish Adam and Eve were. They're like, what does hide? Me and Clayton, uh, when, when people come over so many times, or if Alyssa's upstairs getting ready, I'll say, Clayton, I'll hear her start coming downstairs. We got to hide. Mom's coming. We got to hide. He says, let's hide. Let's hide. And he, I grab his hand. We go over and we get behind the refrigerator. And I'll say, shh. And he can't wait. He goes, ah. He hears the, the, the footsteps coming. And he'll go like this. Like, imagine this is a refrigerator and then this is kind of our hallway. He goes like this. He goes, looks at his mom in the eyes and says, we're hiding. <laughs> He's like, Good job, son. Good, good job. We're hiding. It's like, it's like what Adam and Eve did. <laughs> We're hiding. Right? And how about this? The first altar call in the Bible. Altar calls. Oh, they're just, no. The first altar call in the Bible in Genesis. Adam, where are you? Did God know where he was? Does God know where every sinner is? And yet the call is still the same. Honesdale, where are you? Come forth, because every person will give an account to how they live their life. Amen? So you see, you have to get the mind of Christ on something. And, and can I say this? The Holy Spirit's not offended when you actually ask him a question. Like, I, I, I don't want to sound like, like, like a spiritual weirdo, but if I lose something, sometimes I'll, I'll say, Lord, you know where that's at. Like, can you please help me? Because... And all of, all of a sudden, I'll be like, man, I know I left those keys. I'll go up and I'll grab them. Alyssa, Alyssa will say, you found your keys? I said, no, well, someone did. And head out the door. The Holy Spirit can help you with those things. Like, I, I think that, that too often we, we, we think that like the Holy Spirit either works on really big things or he works on everything. So what I mean by that is this, it's like, you have people who, who never inquire of the Holy Spirit, right? And then I remember being a kid, right? And uh, this guy, he opened this business. It was a terrible business idea too. I don't know why he wasted his time. He said, I woke up this morning and the Holy Spirit told me to put a purple shirt on. And he, he told me to go over and he told me to paint this thing on the walls and it's gonna drive people in here. His business closed two weeks afterwards. 
Like, I also think the Holy Spirit's like, would you just make a decision? Would, would you not be weird? Right? Like, ask me, like, fine. But also, like, just dress, get dressed in the morning. Like, maybe, maybe that's just for me. Anyways, we'll just move on. Um, everybody say, I will use what God gave me. The mind of God, the thoughts of God in a situation are not something that we're never to, never to have. Like, how about this? Does God want you to be saved? Does he want you to be whole? Does he love you? Okay, so you already understand at least three things about the mind of God already. Do you love God? Do you love people? Did not Jesus say that all the law and the prophets, what they spoke of, hangs on those two things? See, you're, you're already well on your way of understanding the mind of God. Will you understand everything? Absolutely not. The Bible says that we see through a glass darkly, but we still see. Number two, how to reach your God dreams. Now that you have the mind of God on a situation. By the way, before we get to point two, don't be afraid to tell people. Like if somebody asks you a question, don't make something up. Right? Like somebody says to you, like, they ask you some like off the wall question, be like, oh, well, uh, you know, that's just because, you know, and you make something up. Just tell them, you know, I really don't under, I really don't know, but I'll tell you what, let me take like three days and, and study on that. Let me get you the answer. People are worth it. Their souls are worth it. Number two, fill yourself up on the word. Fill yourself up on the word. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of God on it. You have the thoughts of God on something. Now it's time that you get in the word and fill yourself up on the word of God. Notice the Holy Spirit didn't just hover over the face of the chaotic state of the earth of pre-creation. He was actually waiting. Everybody say waiting. He was waiting on the spoken word of God. Everybody say the spoken word of God. He was waiting for God to speak the word. Now, where else did God speak the word? There's one big book, 66 smaller books, 40 male authors. They range from kings to pebbles, not pebbles, peasants, sorry, it was one of the P-E words. to nobles, to apostolic leaders, to martyrs. The Bible actually says, speaking of Paul's writings, it actually calls them the word of God because it's the spoken word of God connecting with the written word of God. Genesis 1-3, and God said... Notice God didn't think, because your thoughts and intentions are good, but only if they materialize into something do they actually cause lasting change. Amen? And God said, let there be light. And what happened? And there was light. Now, here's how we know that God created the earth in seven days. You guys ready for this? 
Here's how I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. It wasn't seven, you know, 1,000 year long days or anything like that. Because the Bible says this, and then it was day and then it was night and God said. And then it was day and then it was night and God said. That's how I know that God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. Amen? And there's a lot of weird theology that rolls around with creation. And it really doesn't have to be weird. You just read the Bible. If you just simply read the word of God, you'll understand that it's really not some kind of weird thing. So if you want the mind of God in the situation, you have to speak the perfect will of God. Now that sounds complicated. The perfect will of God. I've heard people say, well, there's the acceptable will of God. There's the perfect will of God. There's the... Make it so complicated. Everybody say, the word of God is the will of God. See, if you want the mind of God in a situation, you dig into the word. Ask the Holy Spirit. Every time you read the word, by the way, I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. Don't just read the word like, like popcorn. Oh, man. Oh, Lord, I really need an answer. I really need an answer. Judas hung himself. Okay, great. Like, why don't you, like, take time, right? Take 10 minutes. Take 15 minutes. But take one minute before and say, Holy Spirit, reveal. I, I know that you know exactly what that word means for me, right? And when you pray, that God will actually reveal things. And I would say this too, if you pray that, have the ability to take notes on it, right? God's mind, he actually wants you to think the way he thinks. He wants you to see the way he sees. In the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah to our Jewish brothers and sisters, the Pentateuch to us. What happens is this. There's promise. Everybody say there's promise. But the promise gets distorted because people don't want to listen to the word of God. So they can't inherit their promise because they've spent too much time complaining about the spiritual leadership that's ahead of them. It's another message, Numbers 13. You can read it later. One of, a, one of a great, great passages of Scripture. They have promise, and the promise is something that they know is going to happen. But something happens where they know that also that they're not going to inherit the promise anymore unless there's new leadership that comes through. And so Joshua, I say Joshua, gets chosen as the new leader. And as he gets chosen as the new leader, he has the same promise. Now, this promise was not something that's just willy-nilly. This promise had to do with the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 1, I'll just read it for you. I'll paraphrase some of it. But God's instructions to Joshua for his success is this. The book of the law, I say the word, 
shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Everybody say meditate. You know what? Meditation today, people who sit around and do weird meditation, all they are is distorting a truth that God actually had in his word. He says, if you meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Everybody say then. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God tied the success to the word. You have the mind of God in a situation, but then as you spend time digging into the word, filling yourself up with the word, why? Because then when you're squeezed, when things come against you, when problems arise and, 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 and there's this squeezing that goes on, what comes out of you is the word of God. CNN doesn't come out of you. Fox News doesn't come out of you. Bad Morning America doesn't come out of you. The Scrantonless Times doesn't come out of you. WNEP, whatever, doesn't come out of you. It's the word of God that will come out of you. Because you filled yourself up with the word. When you fill yourself up with the word, it doesn't matter what other people say. Like I've actually sat in meetings before with great people and they're facing a problem that is a, I would say it's a tough problem to face. Somebody wrote me one time, they said, what are we going to do about communion? They're in a church down the line. I don't know what we should do about communion because we're afraid people get corona through communion. I wrote them back, that's the point. In case, in case you're new to this thing, Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2 says, it's by the stripes of Jesus Christ that we have been healed. It's like saying, well, we're going to give in a salvation altar call, right? I got to imagine heaven's gates, hell's flames, people flooding the altars. And we're like, but what if someone sees someone else and they sin? Yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> the point is that they come to the altar because that's where the hope is found. Yeah, be smart. Do the individual cups, Whatever. People spend so much futile time and things. It's so, it's just right in the word. Maybe I'm not smart enough. I just, I have to believe the word. That's all I got. Like I, I, I thoroughly enjoy philosophy and scientific things. And I can listen to them and all that stuff. And I, I listen to people who are very, very, very smart. Who are not saved. Guys like, Dennis Prager, an Old Testament the theologian who's a Jewish brother. People like Ben Shapiro, more degrees than a thermometer, right? And when they speak, it's like, that's so deep, that's so good. But if it's not the word of God, all you're doing is wasting your time. You want me to sum up Tuesday night for you, the great debate? You want me to sum it up for you? I'll fall asleep and I'll shout and you don't even have to watch Tuesday night. 
That's pretty much summed up. A lot of ranting and raving. It's not going to change how you vote. Let's be honest. No one's walking in Tuesday night like, I'm looking for someone to vote for. Let the, you, you probably already know who you're going to vote for. Now, will it be a hilarious, will it be a hilarious debate? I think it's going to be hilarious. I think it's going to be good primetime television. Will it, will it make a lot of good memes? It's going to make a lot of good memes. I remember watching the 2016 debates. And it's like, you know, you're kind of used to, you know, like, whatever. But you're watching that. And I laughed the whole time. Like, I already knew who I was going to vote for. But it was hilarious. But if you watch that, and your heart is not settled in the word of God, you're going to get all worked up. Oh, you know. The word of God predates every nation, every person on the face of the earth. Amen? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Number three. Reaching your God dreams, you have to get the mind of God on it, right? You have to meditate on the word of God, fill yourself up on the word, and number three, make it plain and specific and keep it in front of you, right? I love this couple of verses here in Habakkuk chapter two, verses two through three. It says this, and the Lord answered me. Habakkuk, by the way, was a minor prophet, major impact. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The problem that so many people have is not a lack of vision. It's a lack of simplicity. They know that God called them. They know that, the, and I'm, when I say God called, I'm not just talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm talking about the fact that we're priests and kings according to the word of God. God called them maybe to that business idea. God called them to serve. God called them to do something and they feel the, 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 the weight and the vision of God and, and they're excited in a moment. They're like, yes, Lord, I'll give you my everything, God. I lay myself down, Lord. My life is an altar, God. Here I am. And they walk out and all of a sudden the thoughts of the world overtake them because they never wrote the vision down. I've got notes in my phone. No, you can't see them. I got notes in my phone and it's words that people gave me. And sometimes when, when, if I feel down, I'll just go to my phone and say, no, I know what the Lord spoke to me. I know the vision he gave me. I know he called me for such a time as this. Why? Because I'm not going to let those things escape from my sight. I told a church one time they were believing for a specific mode of transportation to evangelize their area. I said, what you should do is you should go online and you should buy a model of that thing. I said, you should keep it on your desk. And every time you pray, I said, I want you to look at that thing and say, thank you, Lord, that it's on its way. Because you're keeping it in front of you. Michael Jordan was told one of the 
few classy NBA players. I mean, he was, he was a classy guy. I believe he was the greatest of all time, not because of stats, but because he was just a nice guy. The days of him, Kobe Bryant. Anyways, he was a great guy. But he said, when I was in middle school, I had my coach tell me that I'll never amount to anything in basketball. But guess what? He kept playing basketball. Like, imagine, imagine if Michael Jordan was like, well, I guess he's right. I didn't hit my growth spurt yet. I haven't perfected my game yet. So I'm just going to throw the basketball away and I'm going to hit the books. No, he kept the vision in front of him. You want to know what you're consumed with? You're consumed with what's in front of you. You're consumed with what you think about. Doctors say you are what you eat. I say you are what you think about. If you don't believe me, God used an object lesson with Abraham. How many know what Abraham, one of his titles is? The father, the father of all nations, many nations, right? Recently, they did that thing. It said the Abraham Treaty. We're all God's children. He said this. When God spoke to Abraham, he said this. I will surely bless you. Amen. We love that. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. Everybody say object lesson. And as the sand that is on the seashore. And it goes on to say how mighty his offspring will be. The nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Every time Abraham would scurry out of his tent and put on his little sandals and robe, he was walking on his object lesson during the day. I can imagine every time he hung his head in shame, he was staring at his promise. How about this? Sun goes down. He can't see the sand anymore. Now he's looking at the stars in the sky. I can imagine him looking at them and saying, I'm 100 years old, but I'm the father of many nations because he never gave up on his promise. Whatever void you're facing today, if it's the void of health, if it's, the if it's the void of finances, if it's the void of prodigals, if it's the void of a job, a dead-end job, you want to get out of it, just remember the promises that God's given you. Write them down. Put a model in front of you. In one of our prayer rooms, our first apartment, Alyssa and I lived, we had a second bedroom. Didn't think we needed it. So we made a little prayer room and I put my, I put a map, a world map, the nations of the earth. And I remember I'd go in and I'd be pacing when I pray. I can't, I'm not a sitter much, you know, so I would pace when I pray and I'd go back and forth. And I'd look up at that map sometimes. I'd say, Lord, and I'd point to a nation. I don't know if there's a missionary there, God. I don't know if there's somebody there, Father, but I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would empower them. So you're keeping the vision in front of you. 
It's okay to have a model. It's not an idol. It's a, mo- it's a model. I'm keeping the vision in front of me. Jacob, the great switcher, some people call deceiver, changer. When his uncle tried to cut him a bad deal, it was a very bad deal, he took a speckled stick and he drove it into the feeding troughs and the watering troughs and the breeding grounds of the cattle because his deal was any speckled livestock would belong to him. So he took what God gave the animals and he drove a speckled stick where they were gonna eat and drink and breed. And all of a sudden there's now all a bunch of speckled animals all over because he used what God gave him. The great Dr. Cho, Dr. Youngie Cho, in his early days in ministry, he pastored a struggling congregation of 880,000 people in Seoul, Korea, the largest church on the face of the earth by far was an Assemblies of God church. People say, oh, but there's another one that's 1.2 million. He had other campuses of 500,000, 250,000, 100,000, 50,000 people. You know how he started that ministry? He started that ministry in a little army tent. Matter of fact, he, he considered multiple times taking his own life. And he was, he, he was speaking, and he was, he was super poor. At that time, in the, the 60s and 70s in Seoul, Korea, it was a very poor place. And he, he was preaching underneath that little pup tent, and there's maybe 10, 12 people there all huddled in this little tent. And he said, pre-COVID days, obviously. And he said, he, he said you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm pregnant, church. And they said, you're pregnant. He says, I'm pregnant with, with a table and a chair and a bicycle. And they all laughed. And he said, I'll I'll tell you. He said, God gave me a table and a chair and a bicycle. And so one of the young guys at the church said, Dr. Cho, show me your table, your chair, and your bicycle. He says, okay. He says, I I guess the Lord is testing my faith. And he ran up to the little place he was staying, and he, he opened the door to his efficiency apartment. And he says, right here. And the boy started to laugh. And he turned around, and there was no table. There was no chair. There was no bicycle. So the next day, he goes into his prayer closet and says, God, he, he created the prayer mountain thing, the whole, whole bit. He says, God, he says, why? Why, why, why? why would you let me down? I believed you for that. I asked you for that. I, I'm believing in faith. And God said, because there's lots of tables, there's lots of chairs, and there's lots of bicycles. You never asked me specifically which one you want. And he said, God, he read this uh, fourth dimension, prayer that brings revival. One of my favorite books of all time. He says, God, he says, forgive me. I want an American bicycle. He said, they have the best gears. He said, I want a chair that can swivel and has ball bearings. He says, and I want a, a, a desk that is made of, I, I forget what kind of wood, but you, you get the picture. Next week at church, he says, church, I'm pregnant. Someone came in and they gave him the exact bicycle, the exact table and the exact chair. You see, because he's not shooting willy-nilly, he kept the vision specific and in front of him. Notice this church. We don't receive prophetic words about planning multi-site churches, and we just say, oh, praise God. I guess that just means small groups. No, the word was churches. And in fact, the word spoken was churches just like this one. The same vision and the same DNA as this house you're sitting in. 
So we're not planning a, a Presbyterian church here and a Baptist church here and an Anglican church here. It's, vi- it's the same vision and the same DNA as this house, affecting seven specific communities in northeastern Pennsylvania. Amen? Keep the vision in front of you. Lastly, be careful what you share with others and patiently endure with confident hope that there are more on your side than there are against you. I know that's a long point. You have God's thoughts. Man, you're meditating on the word. You made it plain. It's, it's specific. You know exactly what you want the word of God to produce in you. But yet there's still a void in your life. So what do you do? Here's some killers to the vision that come into your life. First killer is those not of precious like faith. You have to be careful who you share the vision with. You know, I I've, I've understand more by trial and error than by the word of God. Uh, unfortunately, I should just learn from the word of God, specifically in the life of Joseph. Not everybody will cheer you on. Understand what God is producing through you and in you and around you. And perhaps that's okay. Because here's why. It's not their race to run. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're part of the DNA of this house. But God also has a race for you to run concerning your family, concerning your business, concerning your job, and concerning your life. So don't look at people around you and say, well, I wish I was more like so-and-so. Oh, look at that guy. Oh, they got, look, they got a new car, man. They, oh, it must be nice. No, you see, be careful that you don't start looking at others instead of looking at the word of God. Be careful you don't look at others and say, man, I wish I had what they had. And God's like, I have your own race for you to run. I have own blessings stored up for you. But you have to be careful who you share things with. You share things with people and they're not going to be like, oh yeah, praise God, oh, that's awesome. How can I make you? There will be a few, there'll be a handful of people who will really be in your corner. And here's how you know people are in your corner. The Bible says that we're actually tested more. It talks about the testing, you know, persecution, things like that, but it actually says that we're tested in plenty, right? Proverbs says it this way. It says, wealth brings many, and I love it, it put quotes around, many friends, but poverty drives them all away. You want to know the, who, the people who you can really trust are those who've seen you come from nothing. They've celebrated when you're a little bit and they celebrate you when you're in your plenty. You will know the people who are in your corner when no matter what happens to your life, they're still there. Man, I, I love that about this church is that it's, it's, it's not like so many places where, where you're, you're, you're pastoring and it's like you're constantly fighting with the people. It's like the people are fighting with you because they know the vision. It's simple. It's plain. It's written down so we can carry it into our lives. If you don't believe me with this, should I bring up Joseph? Should I bring up David with his brothers? Should I bring up Jesus 
with his cousin? Should I bring up Paul with his fellow apostles? You get the idea. The other thing that will kill your promise if you're not careful is patience, a lack of patience, to be clear. See, you might want to write this down. I felt like the Lord gave me this last night. A lack of patience will give permission to a lack of preeminence. A lack of patience will give permission to a lack of preeminence. You got that word. You got the mind of God. Praise God, right? And you're, you're in the word. Man, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I'm healed. Oh, Lord, I know every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. That means that my, my kids are coming home. And so you, you, you're, you're excited. You got the mind of God. You got the word of God. You've even written it down. You've made it plain. But if you're not careful, all of a sudden, this thing called patience hasn't been developed in your life enough to withstand a few storms in your life. It hasn't been uh, uh, developed enough in your life where you can actually withstand the people who try to mock your vision and laugh at you and not receive. Why? Patience produces on the inside of you an opportunity to receive everything that God has for you. We serve a preeminent God. We don't serve a lesser God. I've seen this time and again, even in my own life, I don't like preachers and like, oh, like I bat a thousand in this area. Our rush or our lack of patience drives us to having voids and pitfalls in our life. Well, we, we reference Abraham, right? But do we ever talk about Abraham's first boo thing? She's a little bit younger. Oh, the word. Oh, I'm the father of many nations. You know what I'll do? I'll go sleep with another woman who's not my wife and have kids with her. God's promise, but not God's way. I wish I had time to speak on this today. Too many of us get God's promise, but we don't do it God's way because we don't have patience. In other words, you get trusted with a little bit of wealth but you don't want to do it God's way of still tithing and giving offerings and saving and investing and being patient in the process. So you forfeit the blessing. You want your kids to come home, but instead of trusting God and praying and, and speaking the word, you want to just wrangle them by the neck and make them come home. See, it's God's promise. It's just not God's way. Let me leave you with this. Patience in the New Testament, particularly Galatians chapter 5, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience, right? right? All right, when I was a kid, I always wanted to have a garden. And so I would plant things in the garden. I'm like, like little, little Kyle, 19 years old. No, I'm just kidding. I would plant things in the garden, right? And I'd, I'd put things and put things and put things. I get excited. I'm like, whoo, all right, going to put some water on there. All right, whoo, it's going to grow. I know it's going to grow. All right, let, let me just see if it's growing yet. Let me just, all right, you know. There's no patience. Here's why I bring that up. Galatians chapter five. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Did you ever know that fruit actually takes time to grow? Now, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts are given 
Gifts don't take time. Gifts are given, right? When, when, when it comes time for Christmas and there are gifts underneath the tree, it's not like your parents say, now, wait a second, that has to grow because it's a gift. It's just freely given. But fruit grows. Like I've done this before. I've prayed for patience. Lord, I need patience. I feel like I'm gonna, I feel like, you know, road rage. Like I'm gonna get out of my car and I'm gonna go chase someone down on foot, you know? Lord, I need patience. Everybody's like, you're so unholy. Yeah, just put a video camera of you tomorrow morning in your car in traffic. I'm like, Lord, I need patience. I need patience. You know what, you know what happens? God will give me an opportunity to grow my patience and I get upset at it thinking I'm getting attacked. Am I the only one? Lord, I, I want to be, oh God, I want to be more patient. And then all of a sudden, it's like your kid throws a tantrum and you're like, why won't he stop? I'm sure it's just me that when you pray for something and God gives you the opportunity to then exercise what he's birthing on the inside of you, you're like, I need to check my garden. I got to dig up that seed. See, the Bible actually talks about patience producing a harvest on the inside of you. Are you patient concerning God's promises? I think it's wonderful that you got the mind of God on the situation and that you're filled up with the word and it's specific. Oh man, I'm ready, I'm ready. Oh, I'm not gonna let anybody get me down. And all of a sudden, it takes longer than three seconds. I'm like, I, I honestly, and I'm not trying to create a, an alternate destiny with my words, but just in my flesh, I can't wait for popcorn in the microwave. I cannot. I hate commercial. Like I'm watching the Yankees game. I'm like, would they quit it? I've seen the Audi commercial seven times. I get it. Like I, I, I can't stand waiting a half of an inning for the pitcher to warm up. Let's get it over with. I want to know the end result. Anybody else here? Like, like you, you feel like you're like, come on. You're in traffic and it's like, you always get stuck behind somebody. Like the speed limit is a suggestion. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Or it's like, you always get stuck in construction, right? You really need 11 guys to dig that hole. When I was a teenager, you know what I used to do before I got in trouble for it? I used to roll my window down and say, get to work now. I really used to. And then one guy, he was a construction guy. He took a sign. He got the sign. I rolled my window. I was like, get to work. What are you doing? You're getting 20 bucks an hour to stand there. All right, just, I was like, I was like 16, okay? He took the sign and went like this to the truck. Boom, and whacked the side of the truck. I won't tell you what ensued after that, but I'll just say, my patience didn't exactly produce a harvest. Because we want things to be done. We don't, we, we, we don't, that's our culture. We, we, we're not good at waiting for things. It's, it's, it's like, uh, when, when I used to live in, in, in Western Alaska, People would just come over and just hang out. Like, I know it sounds crazy to us, but people like knock on the door and be like, hey, you got coffee? I'm like, yeah, I have coffee. Okay. And they just sit and drink coffee. And as an East Coast person, I'd be there like, so what are we going to do here? You guys want to go hunt? You want to fish? You want to do something? Let's, 
How about this? Sometimes no words are exchanged for hours. Is there a reason, is there a reason for your visit? <laughs> How about this? But if you're over 70 years old, that's probably when you were young, you remember your parents doing that. That people would just come over and just hang out. That they would put tea on and they would talk. And people were less hostile. And, and, and they were more patient kind of a people. Like if I had a, a slice of my grandfather's patience, I'd be a better person. I know I would. I, I'm like, just hurry up. Like when we play golf, right? You're supposed to relax and you're playing golf. No, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. People are like, do you want to drive or walk? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can walk faster than you can drive. See, we're not naturally patient people. And so then you mix this in with the kingdom of God, right? You mix this in with the kingdom. How about this? Jesus waited 30 years to begin his ministry. 30 years? Yet he knew he was called before he was ever sent. When I was in school, when I was in elementary school, I remember I used to stare at the clock and just wait for the bell to ring. I couldn't focus on what that teacher was saying. The seconds hand is moving. One time our, our clock broke in, in, in our homeroom. It's like torture. It's like two days of torture because we want things to get done. We're not naturally patient people. We're just not. It's not, it's not your, your fallen nature. Your fallen nature does not naturally produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit takes time to grow. See, even when it doesn't look like it, God is still working on your behalf. Even when you're contested, God is still working. Even when you pray for your kids and they seem to get worse, God is still working. Even when your bank account tries to tell you that you can't afford to tithe, God is still working. When, you're, when, when, when you receive the word of God, you, you know, the Bible says it this way. It says over in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we walk by what the word of God has to say and not by what we feel. But every time you pray for somebody, I'm okay, let's test it out, whatever. But every time you pray for someone, they go like this and say, well, I guess my shoulder's not, not I guess God didn't heal it this time. Because you feel the pain and you're not waiting for the promise. The Bible says this concerning the lepers, and as they went, they were healed. Healing is progressive, but miracles are instantaneous. When your body doesn't feel it, God's still working, and the finished work is already done. Maybe you feel called to ministry, and when the, when the doors are open, God is working, and when it looks like there's no doors, God is still working, because we serve an intentional and way-making God. Patiently endure. I'm preaching to myself. If I had a mirror up here, I'd preach just as hard. Because the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your mind, to bring it back to this, are merely giving you a last-ditch effort to give up on the things that God has promised you. Breakthrough is on the other side of your not giving up. We like breakthrough because we think that's like an instantaneous, like, 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 like a plumbing word. Well, there's breakthrough. Breakthrough is on the other side of you're not giving up. 
Everybody say, get the mind of Christ. Fill yourself up with the word. Make it specific. But then you have to be careful of your company and patiently endure as you're waiting for the promise of God. Now I'll throw this one in there for free. You receive God's promise with God's systems. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this, it's the Lord your God who gives you the power to create wealth. But we wonder, we, 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 we see that, we say, all right, well, that means that God gives us the power to create wealth. What he's actually saying in that passage of scripture, yes, that's true, but he's saying that as a warning for them to not grow prideful in the working of their hands. See, it's God's systems that make the most sense. Even though it doesn't make sense to us, it makes sense to him. And we can tap into the mind of Christ. Amen? You just stand up on your feet right where you're at. I just want to get, just pray over you guys here this morning. I uh, used to apologize for going beyond 1030, but I guess that's just what we're doing anymore. Praise God. That was almost a joke. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. What promise has God given you that you've given up on because you've grown impatient? Maybe, maybe you don't know what the word of God has to say concerning your promise. It's time to get in the word. Word of God is full of promises for you. Wow, what a powerful message. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home. And we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. And you can let us know how these broadcasts have helped you. We will see you next time. And one more thing, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.